0: Please be seated. To those of you listening to us on the internet and to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be today, and to the members and guests here at beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God upon which we base our message on this ninth Sunday after Pentecost is the first reading, the Old Testament reading from Genesis chapter 9, a well-known story, I think, to all of us. I recall just these words. I will put my rainbow in the clouds to be a sign of my promise to the earth. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lived for us, died and lived again so that we might live with him forever, my beloved. Did you ever see one of those uh, dramatic water rescues, either on TV or on YouTube? You know what I'm talking about. Um, Somebody got a picture, perhaps, of some uh, jet fighter pilot who had to abort his mission, flew up in the air. A parachute comes out, lands in the water, and immediately after that the helicopter has to come and uh, try to rescue. Or a lady hanging from a branch of a tree with a raging river beneath her because of a a flash flood. And again, a helicopter has to come, uh, throw down the rope, try to rescue her. Or how about that uh, farmer and his dog who's sitting on the roof of his farmhouse because the water from the flood is about two-thirds of the way up the house? Dramatic water rescues capture our attention, I think, because the alternative to water rescue is dying by drowning. And you know how dangerous water can be, especially if it's mixed with heavy wind. There are a whole lot of, or I should say there are several dramatic water rescues um, listed in Holy Scripture recorded for us there. I think uh, most of us remember the the story or the history of uh, Jonah and the whale or the great fish, and after those uh, seamen threw him overboard, a great fish or whale came along and swallowed Jonah. He was an unwilling missionary, and then that uh, fish burped him out on the, the shore of the Mediterranean Sea, and then God told him, now you go and do what I told you to do in the first place. Or the history recorded for us today, Noah and the Ark, where the whole world was dis- uh, destroyed by the only universal global flood. And, uh, and also the, the reading for us this morning from uh, St. Mark's Gospel talking about Jesus' water rescue of his disciples on the Sea of Galilee. And uh, if you take a look at the Gospel of Matthew, that story is further embellished by uh, the story about Peter getting out of the boat and wanting to walk on water, and Jesus said, Come to me, and then when the first high wave came along, uh, his faith uh, wasn't so great, and he began to sink, and he said, Lord, save me, and there was a water rescue there. I think it's safe, though, to really say that the most dramatic water rescue of all time is Noah and the ark, or the ship. Noah and his family saved. Everybody else perishes. A universal flood, the one and only. Now, the words before us this morning actually record the promise that God gave to Noah and his descendants after the flood. But I think it's uh, certainly appropriate this morning for us to review the facts and the events of the universal flood. First of all, we should say that it occurred somewhere between perhaps 3,000 and 2,500 years B.C. To be exact, I think we have to take a look at Holy Scripture, and in Genesis chapter 7, we hear these words. On the 17th day of the second month of the 600th year of Noah's life, All the deep springs burst open. The sky opened and rain came pouring down on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. As the water rose and became very deep, the ship floated on top of the water. The water rose very high above the earth. It covered all the high mountains everywhere under the sky. It rose 23 feet above the mountaintops. Every creature that crawls on the earth died including birds, domestic and wild animals, and everything that swarms over the earth, along with every human, everything on dry land, every living, breathing creature died. Every living creature on the face of the earth was wiped out. Humans, domestic animals, crawling creatures, and birds were wiped off the earth. Only Noah and those with him in the ship were left. Think about this. The flood came and the waters rose 23 feet above the highest mountain. Now, here you have behind me Mount Kilimanjaro for the VBS for next year. I took a look on the Internet this uh, last week, and by the way, the elevation on the sign in church is wrong. The elevation for um, Mount Kilimanjaro is 19,000 feet, whereas the uh, elevation for Mount Everest is 29,000 feet. So that means that the waters of the flood rose above 23 feet above 29,000 feet above sea level. The universal flood co- covered all the mountaintops. Permit me to use an illustration of a time warp. If you could imagine, after the 40 days and 40 nights, the flood came, and imagine uh, Neil Armstrong and uh, Buzz Aldrin out there in a the space capsule, you know, and they're looking back at the Earth they would have seen nothing but a blue ball because lo- no land masses would be visible. In fact, that's why scientists boggles their mind why they find fish fossils on mountaintops. Why did God send the flood? Scripture also tells us that in Genesis 6. It says, The, law, the Lord saw how evil humans had become on the earth. All day long their deepest thoughts were nothing but evil. The Lord was sorry that he had made humans on the earth and he was heartbroken. So he said, I will wipe off the face of the earth, these humans that I created. I will wipe out not only humans but also domestic animals, crawling animals and birds. I'm sorry that I made them. The world was corrupt in God's sight and <clears throat> full of violence. God saw the world and how corrupt it was because all people on earth live evil lives. God said to Noah, I have decided to put an end to all people because the earth is full of their violence. Now I'm going to destroy them along with the earth. Can you believe it? When that flood finally came, there were only eight believers in the Lord God left on the earth. All the rest were unbelievers who had rejected God's love. And so God destroyed them all, Okay, then after a while, the floodwaters went down. But you know how long actually Noah and his family were on that ark? For a whole year, almost 365 days exactly. Talk about cabin fever. But finally they got off. And then God gives his promise. And those are the words before us this morning. First of all, we should perhaps ask just exactly to whom was God's promise made? Scripture says that God made the promise to Noah and his descendants, that it be you and me, and to all the animals, all the living creatures, the birds and the frogs and the tigers and the giraffes, and the lions, hopefully not prowling around Milwaukee, and the dogs and the cats. All the animals died except for those saved on the ark. Well, just exactly what was it that God promised? He promised that never again would he ever send a universal flood to destroy all people and animals ever, ever again. Did you imagine that, though? Uh, God being the perfect weatherman. Did you ever think of that? For 120 years, he predicted that there was going to be a universal flood. Nobody believed him, but finally that great climate change occurred there was another promise that God also gave to Noah after he got off the ark. He said, as long as the earth exists, planting and harvesting, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will not stop. Now I think you know as well as I do that there's a whole lot of speculation going on regarding global warming or some people call it climate change and I'm not going to attempt this morning to speak either for it or against it because I believe it's speculation. But I have six points from Holy Scripture that I'd like to present to you this morning which are not speculation because they come from God's Word. Number one, this world of ours, this earth on which we are now living is not our permanent home. Ever since the fall into sin, this is only a transitory place. Number two, the world will not die all by itself. Scripture says when our Lord returns, the whole universe will be destroyed, everything. Third, this world of ours is not going to die slowly or gradually by either heat or cold, but it will be destroyed suddenly and instantly. And the world of ours will not be destroyed by the hands of men, but by the hand of God. And number five, and one more to come after that, this world of ours is not God. Mother Earth or Mother Nature begs the question. Number six, Earth is our temporary home made by God. Earth did not give life. God gave life to his creation on earth. Now, how do we know all that? From the promise that God gave to Noah. That as long as God is looking uh, over control over the world, seed time and harvest, in other words, planting and harvest, he's going to continue summer, winter, day and night, until he brings it to an end. And then, of course, St. Peter embellishes this whole thing in, in his second letter, chapter 3, when he says, first of you, First, you must understand this. In the last days, people who follow their own desires will appear. These disrespectful people will ridicule God's promise by saying, What's happened to his promise to return? Ever since our ancestors died, everything continues as it did from the beginning of the world. They are deliberately ignoring one fact. Because of God's word, heaven and earth existed a long time ago. The earth appeared out of water and was kept alive by water. Water also flooded and destroyed that world. By God's word, the present heaven and earth are designated to be burned. They are being kept until the day ungodly people will be destroyed and judged. Dear friends, don't ignore this fact. One day with the Lord is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord isn't slow to do what he promised, as some people think. Rather, he is patient for your sake. He doesn't want to destroy anyone, but wants all people to have an opportunity to turn to him and change the way they think and act. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. On that day, heaven will pass away with a roaring sound. Everything that makes up the universe will burn and be destroyed. The earth and everything that people have done on it will be exposed. All these things will be destroyed in this way. So think of the kind of holy and godly lives you must live as you look forward to the day of God and eagerly wait for it to come. When that day comes, heaven will be on fire and will be destroyed. Everything that makes up the universe will burn and melt. But we look forward to what God has promised, a new heaven and a new earth, a place where everything that has God's approval dwells. And then the words before us this morning tell us tells us that after God made that promise he sent he set a rainbow he placed a rainbow in the sky apparently there up until this particular time there had never been rainbows before but he set set that set that rainbow as a sign of his promise and i know every time you look at a rainbow you see oh isn't it beautiful those rich colors of red orange yellow green blue indigo and violet And sometimes you see that double rainbow. Do you know that when you take a look at the rainbow, you're not looking at that rainbow alone. God's looking at it along with you. He said, whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it, and I will remember my everlasting promise to every living animal on the earth. And I think you all know today why God, at the time of the flood with Noah, why he didn't just destroy the whole planet, the whole populace. Because God is a God of promises, and he always keeps his promises. And way back in the Garden of Eden, he promised Adam and Eve, after they disobedient disobeyed him, that one day he would send a son to be their savior. And that hadn't happened yet. So if God would have destroyed the whole populace of the world, he would have broke his promise, but he didn't. Only once in the whole history of mankind had God destroyed the world with water. But then he said he'd never do it again. And he sealed that promise with the sign of the rainbow. God also made another promise, a promise that I just read to you from Second Peter, that he will destroy this world with fire. But I got to tell you, the fires of the last day are not the worst fires. The fire of hell for the punishment of unbelief, those flames are the worst because they're eternal. But greater, even greater, imagine this, than the sign of the rainbow in the sky is the sign of the cross that Jesus, plant, God planted on Calvary. With that sign, he promises to save all who believe in Jesus Christ, who was crucified on a cross for the payment of their sins. And so you know, really, when it gets right down to it, you know what the most dramatic water rescue of all time really was for you? It took place for you when God saved you not from water, but with water. In fact, at your baptism, there were two waters that touched you, the waters of baptism that touched you on the outside and the waters of the Holy Spirit that created faith on the inside. As Jesus said, the Holy Spirit becomes streams of living water that flow deep within a person who believes. And so it was that God gave us the promise of Genesis chapter 9 To eliminate our fears and to give us peace, recognizing we'll never have to experience another universal flood. The peace of never having to fear as dramatic a climate change as Noah did, never having to fear again the waters of a universal flood. To seal his promise, he set the rainbow in the sky. But God also gives us the cross to give us peace. The peace of never having to fear the fire of the last day nor the fires of hell because of our faith in Jesus Christ. And God has set his cross in place and he sees that cross with his own eyes and remembers that he will save all who believe in him. All who trust in him then can look forward to a new heaven and a new earth, a real home. Oh, thank God for his his water rescue by his spirit and by baptism, which conveyed to you the cross of Jesus Christ for your eternal salvation. Thanks be to God for that. Amen. Please stand. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, and the life everlasting. Amen. We take this time now to gather our tithes and our offerings and our connection cards.